Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. And my name is Duffy Henderson, and I'm your host. Well, the Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. And here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments and share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks again for listening in, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, today we are back with another one of our interviews. Uh, we've been doing these quite a bit during the fall, um, and we'll looks like we'll be continuing some of these into the new year as well. But today I'm again joined by Jason, one of our, our elders here. He's our senior pastor. Jason, how are you this afternoon? Doing great, Duffy. Looking forward to the conversation. Same for me. I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time. If you're watching this on YouTube, then um, you see our guest here is John Moffat with Theocast, uh, another podcast. And we have, we're excited to talk with him today. We love what's been happening with their content. Um, they've just they've just got a unique uh, set of content in the podcast world. So if you don't know who they are, there'll be links in this podcast episode to send you to theirs. You need to check them out. John and Justin are doing some great work um, from a 1689 Baptist perspective, but just wholesome biblical teaching and encouragement that will bless you um, for sure. So John, welcome to our podcast. We're so thankful that you joined us. How are you? I'm good. What a, what an introduction. That's that's that was very 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 kind of you. No, I I'm doing great. I'm super thankful for your guys podcast. Um there's a growing number of reform podcasts and and we can never have enough. Uh I think one of the questions we get in the Facebook group and the app or what are what are some other good podcasts outside of Theocast which is a great question and uh, I look forward to having your guys uh in that list here but no we're doing great and uh it's it's an honor to be on here and and to talk to some uh some fellow Texans. <laughs> yeah. I should have started with howdy, man. How are That's you? Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm coming to Waco for uh, Thanksgiving. So I'll get oh, to nice. enjoy part of oh, Austin nice. and Waco. Yeah. Yeah. That's not too far from here. I try to avoid Austin at, at all possible. We won't get into that right now. <laughs> That's Keep not it weird. Texas. It's, it's sort of a, a, a independent. <laughs> Did they uh, get cut out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We yeah yeah that's a whole other issue. Let's just skip that. Let's go into some more something that's more interesting here. But John, hey, we want to we want you first of all. Some of our listeners probably have no idea who you are. Uh, we have encouraged some of our church members to listen to Theocast. But would you just give uh, to someone who's listening or watching just an introduction to who you are? Um, married, kids, if you pastor, all those just basic stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been married uh, almost 20 years now to my wife, Judith. We have four kids, uh, two girls, two, go two boys from the ages of six to 18. So our home is quite uh, full of all kinds of different things going on right now. And we got uh, college and high school and then all the way down to second grade. So this is great. <laughs> um, we live uh, in just south of Nashville, Tennessee. We live in Spring Hill and planted a church there five years ago. And uh, co-host a podcast called Theocast that got started uh, back when I was a college pastor uh, in Nashville. I guess, let me think now, I guess that's been eight years now or 
It's hard to remember how much I don't remember how long ago we started Theocast. But the point of it was very much I, I'm I'm flattered. You it's, it's it's amazing to watch what you guys are doing because this is exactly what we did. It was like, hey, let's get some of the elders together and some of the pastors, and let's just talk about really important theology that's kind of hard to do on a Sunday. And that's how we got started. And then, uh, you know, as life goes on, pastors could move here and there. And the, I got connected by uh, by a friend, Justin Purdue, who is our co-host. So Justin also is a church planner. He planted seven years ago in Asheville, North Carolina. And so we do a weekly podcast. And our goal is um, we definitely do it from a Reformed Baptist perspective. Um, and, our, and our aim is to help declutter the gospel and help people understand uh, the historic faith. And but to do it from a pastoral perspective, where we're we're not going to be using a lot of um, sarcasm and, and debate tactics, our goal is for a, the weary Christian who might be overwhelmed by what they hear on the internet. And our job our job is to to say here's here's all the confusion that you're hearing, and let us simplify this for you. And ultimately, which is the feedback we are have been getting over the last five years is we, we want to encourage people to find a, a good local church and go and, and be under the word and be shepherded by men. And so we, we kind of have used Theocast as a way to do that over the years. And it's been encouraging. Um, I've been able to plant another church because, or two other churches because of Theocast, just meeting other different pastors. And then uh, we are in the process of starting a church network, which is called Grace Reform Network. And that's really uh, birthed out of the podcast as well. We've had so many people reach out to us and say, where, where can I find a church? Like what's teaching what you guys are teaching. And then we've had a lot of pastors who've reached out to us and say, Hey, what, what network are you guys a part of? We want to be a part of that network. So we uh, saw the counsel of a lot of godly men and yeah. So hopefully spring of 23 will uh, be officially uh, started. If you'd like to help support the 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 network, you can. We're a 501c3, and we're trying to raise funds right now. But it's exciting. We've we've got quite a few churches that will be joining, and the whole purpose of that is obviously for the sake of church planning and missions work. So uh, please be in prayer for that ministry as well. But that's, I guess, I don't know if that was everything you wanted, but there's the Yeah, no, that's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> Jason, do you want to jump in? Do you have any follow-up question there or anything like that before we dive into the episode? Not necessarily a follow-up question, but, I, you know, again, I will state my appreciation uh, for John and Justin and the Theocast uh, uh, ministry and, and what what you're doing. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, looking into the, the Grace Reform Fellowship and seeing what we could do and if we could be a part of that and mm. all of the details concerning that. You, you, you know, we talked a little bit be, before we went on air whatever encouragement and help you've been to me personally Mm. uh, and just the way that God used uh, the content of the podcast to help me work through some of my struggle. And, and so it's just been a blessing. It's been an Mm. encouragement and help in so many ways. So thank you, Jason. Yeah. I love that. Well, so John, we, we want to kind of let's, let's get dive into the meat of the episode. We've asked you on because you have been doing some excellent work in this area of rest when this is kind of how I've been thinking about it. As I've listened to some of your episodes, I've read a little bit of the content that you've published and some of the stuff we've been working through in our own church context. And there's just this, um, sometimes it's an unsaid, but it's a, a super present demand on the believer to be better, to Mm. be more holy, to be more sanctified. Um, there's a pressure from here. There's an expectation from here. 
and it can be overwhelming. And you guys have, have talked about this a little bit um, in various forms and facets, but um, specifically you have a little book that you've, I think it's free download online mm -hmm. and um, you can purchase it. It's a book on rest. And it, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, Jason's got it. I don't have it with me on hand, but it's got, uh, you, you guys focus on this idea of <laughs> saving faith and faithfulness. That's right. If I'm not mistaken. And mm -hmm. you guys have done some episodes regarding that. So, yeah. Um, let, let, let me, let me, yeah, let go me ahead, Jason. you know, um, on the back of the, the book that I just displayed, um, if you're watching, but if you're listening, this is called Rest. It's another book that, that John and Justin um, have produced, and it's called Safe. And so both of these little booklets are very encouraging, very helpful. But on the back of this book, Rest, it says this. Many Christians evaluate their lives and ask the same questions. Am I doing enough? Have I shown enough discipline, enough dedication, or enough effort? Would praying and reading my Bible more help me overcome or remove or or have, you feel that you put so much effort in improving your Christian life with no apparent fruit, sins you thought would have been easier to overcome are still plaguing your daily life. You are not alone, and you are not crazy. Many Christians today live on this treadmill, this performance-based treadmill, and so yeah. when we talk about rest, that's what we're talking about, John, and that's what um, the book is about. It's this idea of um, where this sense of uh, performance-based Christianity comes from, um, and and you can speak to a little bit about that if you want to. But yeah. but then where we find our rest and how these things come together. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes um, I'll start with the negative and then I'll go positive. Sometimes when people hear the word rest, they hear the word quit, or they hear the word give up. Um, in many ways, we are saying that. Uh, stop trying to earn what you cannot and quit trying to uh, quit trying to get from God what's already been given to you. Uh, in many ways, yes. But uh, what's interesting is that when Christ is talking to the weary pilgrim, he's talking to the weary saint who feels the the treadmill of the law and the law demands this absolute perfection. And Jesus says, if you're heavy laden by this law, if it's too much for you, then you've understood why I'm here as your Messiah. Uh, I am here as your Redeemer. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest because what I have for you is not the same of what the law is, right? So that's kind of the premise of the book is that when we think about our relationship to God, our relationship with our King and our Father, that relationship should lead one for their the the spiritual resting heart rate of the believer, it should cause it to lower and lessen because they understand I'm safe in the arms of God because of what He has done, His faithfulness, not mine. And so I put my faith in what His capacities are. This is what we'd call the obje objectivity or the uh, being objective about our faith. Right? I'm looking to Christ, and therefore, as it relates to my standing and relationship to God. I have every reason to rest because, as Christ said on the cross, it is finished, right? So it's he paid for my sins and he earned my righteousness. And uh, the doctrine of imputation, unfortunately, it's an old word, it's a good word, we need to use it, uh, but it's been lost. To, to impute means to impart or to give over on the behalf of. And so 
my punishment was given over to on the behalf of Christ. So God took my sin and put it on Christ and punished Christ. And then God took Jesus's obedience to the father and gave it to me, even though I didn't do it. And he imparted it, imputed it. He accounted it to me. And that's where the rest comes from. I don't have anything to do to remove my sin. And I don't have anything to do to gain righteousness before God. Christ has done that for me. And that's what allows me to rest in that sufficiency. Um, to to that, just because there's this angst, because people are like, well, is this just a let go and let God theology, which is probably what I hear the most <laughs> is, well, if you teach this, John, then people will just live however they want, because there's just grace and you can just rest in Christ because there's grace. And, uh, you know, I'm going to herald a really wise man who was inspired by the spirit when he wrote these words. And he says, may it never be right. right. <laughs> hey, I think not- I recognize isn't that somewhere in Romans? Yeah, something like that. Maybe Paul may have wrote that, something like that. Uh, and what's um, the longer I have done this podcast and the longer that I've been in ministry. So I've been preaching for, oh, I guess, 20 years now. And when you think about what you're offering sinners, you're, you are trying to motivate them to two things. You're trying to motivate them that Christ is sufficient above all else in this world, right? There's no kingdom better than Christ's kingdom, and there's no better joy and peace than in Christ. And so we're trying to motivate people with that. But then there's also uh, requirements, right? In other words, uh, Christians are called to obey. I believe that, right? It's a good thing. <laughs> yes. You know, to be kind, I, can't, that, I think it's wonderful. To be patient, you know, I, to help the poor, I, I, none of that sounds bad to me. You know? yeah. so, holiness is not a trip to the dentist. You know, it's like, it, it's a yeah. great, it's a great but thing. John, your your motivation for that is, is in a different place. If it's motivated right. by grace. That's right. And that's kind of yeah. the purpose behind our ministry. And that's really the purpose behind our, um, our book. You know, one of the taglines we've added in this year to kind of help people understand what it is that we're trying to do is we're trying to clarify the gospel and then reclaim the purpose of the kingdom. When you don't have a clarity of the gospel and you start muddling the gospel where you're adding the law back in and you get gospel, right? You're getting a mixture of the law and the gospel. Then the purpose of the kingdom is now it's completely skewed. Most people think about the kingdom and they're trying to enter into it, right? They're by their obedience or by the staying away from sin. And our entrance into the kingdom has never been based upon our performance for any reason whatsoever. I can rest that I've been adopted and I am a citizen of the king and his kingdom because of what Christ has done for me. But now that I'm in there, the purpose of my life is to then then share the light that I've received, right? So because I'm rested and I feel safe, uh, I, what I, I put out something today that said, the reason why most people struggle with obedience is because they lack assurance. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. They don't feel secure. And so it's hard to hand somebody the light and say, go run into the darkness when they're like, I don't know if I have the light. I'm not running anywhere until I know what I have. And so a lot of preaching and a lot of teaching is always questioning people. Are you sure you have the light? Are you sure you're a citizen? Are you mm. sure you're saved? Well, then you wonder why they don't, they're not interested in obeying <laughs> it's because they're so introspective. Well, that, that completely, um, that actually completely voids any sort of desire to obey. Right. 
Oh, yeah, well, it's like telling somebody, you know, you guys like sports. I was reading your bios and it's kind of like telling a baseball player, we're not sure you're on the team, but we want you to pitch. And it's like, what do you mean? I'm not sure I'm on the team. Am I going to get paid for playing or not? What's the deal? Uh -huh. And then to Christians, we don't know if you're a Christian or not. You probably should prove it first, but you know, go out and witness this week. It's like witness. Why oh, am I witness to somebody? I don't even know if I'm in. And so that's yeah. part of the yeah. danger of, of a lot of modern day preaching is mm -hmm. that it's calling people to question their salvation. Now, listen, um, if if someone is going against scripture and what we always say, and I know we're going to get to first John here in a minute. So this is, I guess, a, a good introduction for it. If someone is not an agreeing, if, if someone is disagreeing with God and his standards, then you should be worried about your salvation. You can't go against God. And say, I don't agree with what God has determined to be holy. I think it's okay to, you know, have sex outside of marriage and to murder and to, well, well, no, that, that you can't disagree. If God has created the holy standard, you can't then disagree with him on that. That's not, that's not okay. We can talk about that later. But yeah, when it relates to our wrestling with sin, you know, I, I always say this phrase and I know it makes people feel uncomfortable. I, I ask this question a lot in counseling. I say, do you, do you believe that God expects you to sin? <laughs> and people are like, they kind of squirm. Like, what do you mean God expects me to sin? I was like, well, he does. He actually calls you a liar if you don't think you're going to sin. Because we are still, we have an already not yet, right? We are yes. did, and we've been declared righteous, but we are not righteous. And so we look to Christ and we try to obey him by faith, but at times we fail. And this is why we are called to confess our sins and he gives That's us right. Heart, right? That's exactly uh, right. Right. So we mm -hmm. live in a constant state of the gospel and under the banner of the gospel, because without the gospel, we have no motivation. Without Christ, mercy and grace, right? Mercy for our sins and grace for our faith. Without that, we have no motivation for obedience. But what what, what do we typically do? We use the law to motivate people to obedience. Mm -hmm. And the law cannot, it can't do two things. It cannot change your heart. And it cannot motivate you out of, because uh, the law is only condemning. Um, I'll just say this one last statement. I'll turn it back over to you guys uh, and you'll finish the statement for me. We love because that's right. Our motivation to love each other is not based upon God's law. That's right. It's based upon God's affection for us. That's right. right. And what I find John is that um, we, we, we get people, um, exhausted by mm -hmm. all the demands that we're placing on them. We're saying that we're using the law to try to guilt, motivate, shame, encourage. And I get the intention. I understand the reason that we've gone that way. But but at yep. the same time, what we've done is exhausted people emotionally, spiritually. And it's no wonder that they don't have any uh, room. They don't have any capacity in their life to go give the gospel to someone else or to be able to serve here or to to be involved in corporate worship uh, as they should or whatever the case may be because they are they are totally wiped out with if, if god's not going to love me more or how can i increase god's um uh sense of of um affection and attention toward me if yeah. i'm not doing all of these things yeah, yeah. amen and so it's exhausting it is yeah, to, to, to scold people with the law who are believers is to ask something of them that's ultimately a futile endeavor for them mm -hmm. to engage in because yeah. um, it is the spirit who sanctifies, right? And 
we we immediately we when we go to that sort of preaching and exhortation, we go to this um, man-centered sanctification. Mm-hmm. You got you need to work on yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to fix this. And almost all the time, this the this use of the law for the Christian has no no regard for the Spirit's work in our life. No. Uh, we were just talking um, earlier today. We recorded another of our episodes uh, that will come out next week. But we've been talking about this idea of progressive sanctification. Mm-hmm. That not not you know when you stand in the pulpit at your church, you've got a hundred people there. You've got people all over the spectrum of their walk with Christ and how the Lord is working th- working on them through them, mm-hmm. through the Spirit and their sanctification. Um, you see that in families. You see that in marriages. Um, John, you mentioned counseling. I mean, even with two people who are married with one, to one another, they're on different they're on different uh, places in their sanctification. Oh yeah. Um, and so, this has just been something that Jason and I have we've been dealing with with our with our elders here and um, with our church body, and we have just been we've had some hard conversations, some frustrating, <laughs> like what yeah. do we do here? You know. Um, yeah. So. Uh, well, let's transition for a minute, yeah. Duffy. Sure. Think yeah. about, uh, we're talking about an individual, but uh, John, in the sixth chapter of your book on rest, the, called The Landscape of Rest, mm-hmm. uh, you write this, the church is not where we go to self-improve, but where we live with our family to grow in grace together. Hmm. Talk about that a little bit, about <laughs> corporate worshiping, corporate gathering, how that, that. that yeah beneficial to us that's great I'll, I'll try to be quick here yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh one of the areas that's really unfortunately weak in evangelicalism is ecclesiology right the understanding of theology of the church and um i meet a lot of christians through the podcast and through my local congregation and city and you know every i i have don't know if i've ever met a a conservative christian who doesn't believe in the power of the bible Right, they believe that the word of God is is so powerful, and it's it's what gives us life. And um, there's a there's a lot of emphasis on engaging in God's word, which I am all for. I think that uh, the more of God's word we can consume and and truly know and believe, then the more encouraged and strengthened we will be. Right? Uh, Paul talks about the the word of God creates stability and strength within us, and we want that. Um, but what ends up happening is that we put a massive emphasis on da- like daily Bible reading, personal by yourself, and um, and prayer. And and I'm all for people knowing the Word of God. But uh, as James says, if, if you don't actually obey the Word of God, it's of no value. Right? It's just knowledge, and knowledge just pops up. That's all it is. So you've got a lot of data, but you're not doing anything with that data. And so what I what I think is interesting is that. Uh, the word of God claims to be powerful, and it is, and it also makes amazing statements about its function. And so what I always encourage people with is like I ask them this question. I said, would you like to not be duped and lied to and tossed all over the place theologically? And they're like, yeah, no, for sure. I don't want that. It's a great. Do you want to know how to become an extremely powerful, strong Christian? Yes, for sure. Do you want to grow in love? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Do you know what they think I'm going to say next? (laughs) They think I'm going to say, go read your Bible. 
Oh my God. I said, do you know the Bible tells us how that can be done? That can be done when we obey the word. And the word says that when the body of Christ mm-hmm. gathers together, this is, you know, Colossians 3, this is Ephesians 4, this is Philippians 2. When the when the body gathers together and the word of God is at the center and you have men who are trained in the word, this is uh, Ephesians 4, 11, men who are trained in the word, who are then training the church how to use their gifts. Paul guarantees that we won't be tossed about by bad doctrine. We will become strong mature Christians, and we will grow in love. I said, isn't that amazing? But but what but what? Wait does a minute, that mean? John. That can't be that easy, man. Come on. All right, <laughs> I know. But what what's um what's crazy is that people hear what I'm saying. No, I hear what you're saying, but they're waiting for that the individualistic part. And I said, listen, yeah, yeah. There's nothing within the Christian life other than your faith. That is individualistic. I said the moment, like for instance, that would be, that would be to say I have four children, right? And that would be to say that my kids go, yeah, I've got a relationship with my dad, but my brothers and sisters is like, yeah, I don't really care about them. I was like, no, listen, we're a family, right? And we are, we are one, and we're united. We all have the same last name. We're all related, and we have a, a common goal to care for each other as a family. But we do this with God. We're like, no, 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 it's just me and God, and and I'm mm. good. And God's like, no, I structured the family. Like, for instance, there's a mother and there's a father, and they both have a role in your life, and they're both designed to do and care and love for you. And the church is the same way. God says, listen, I've brought you into my family. I've adopted you. And now I'm going to put you into a community of people. And every person in that community, when they do their part, they're going to be there to protect you, to care for you, to confront you, to carry your burden, to build you up. This is uh, Romans 15. Those of us who are strong have an obligation to do with the failings of the weak, which sounds like what you were just describing. But when I am weak, they're strong. And when I wander, they're there to pull me back, right? Yeah. And when I am in sin, they're there to confront me. So the church is not a helpful place to give me some guidance. The church becomes the way in which God molds, shapes, and builds me up. And so you, uh, what, what I always tell people is if you're going to dedicate your life to something, if you're going to discipline your life, then you should do it in such a way that is actually engaging in the help and the power that God has given us, which is the local church. Now, listen, um, I'll put this caveat in here because I've had a lot of um, people reach out to me recently. And so when I say the word church, sometimes what people hear me say is you need a heavy, steady diet of good fellowship, good preaching, good teaching, and good training. What they hear me say is you need a heavy, steady diet of eating McDonald's every Sunday. And you're going, I am not interested in that. <laughs> like your experience has not been a healthy one. It's been more of like, yeah, I can eat McDonald's once in a while, but every day and every week, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm in on that. And some people might like McDonald's, so no offense. But the point of it is, is that you've not been a, a part of a healthy congregation that wow. really emphasizes the preaching of the word and emphasizes the gospel, right? And the ordinary means of grace where God strengthens and builds us up by the preached word, the sacraments, prayer, fellowship, and music, then yeah, when you hear me say God's spirit works within us in a church, if you've been a part of a bad church, then you're not going to be as interested in applying what it is yeah. that I'm saying. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I mean, I know that I've been a part uh, of a not so good church experience. I've got a couple members of my family who I've heard that 
phraseology pretty much come out of their mouth that, you know, I'm, I'm not, what I'm, what I need to do with the church. I mean, that's, I've only experienced hurt and judgment, right? And that's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. We Um, have an episode coming out next week. Um, it's uh, basically dealing with people who say, well, I have my Bible and Holy Spirit. I don't really need anything else. You know, the oh, Spirit yeah. will lead you into all truth. And John... Me and Jesus under the tree kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. So we <laughs> we, uh, we, do, we deal with that in that podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, you heard it first here. Go over there and check that episode out once you're there done with you this go. one. <laughs> Jason, do you have any follow-up for, for this well, I know that I know that we could speak uh, a lot more on uh, rest as an individual Christian. Yeah. We can speak a lot more concerning corporate worship and the church gathered and the benefit of the the gospel to the church and what that means and and so all we're doing right now is just sort of uh, hitting the 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 uh, tip of the iceberg if you will so that uh, it would whet the appetite of some who might continue to listen and, and right. look at these things uh, so let's let's think about First John just a little bit um, yeah. because yeah. John here's a Here's a, a picture on my phone of a plaque, and it says at the top, a true disciple of Christ is characterized by, hmm. and then it has a commitment to life with Christ and other believers, uh, a continual recognition and confession of sin, a pattern marked by obedience, and it just continues to list these things. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then it gives the text where these things come from. And so I, I'm thinking that the typical way that we have understood First John, these would be marks of a true believer. These are ways that you can test your faith. These are ways that you can look at your life and say, well, I do have a commitment with uh, to life with Christ and other believers. And mm-hmm. so that must make sure, or that gives me assurance rather than that I am a believer. But mm-hmm. is that the way that that you feel like that we can uh, best utilize what is written to us in first john yeah i mean justin and i did two episodes on this so if your listeners want to go there and check that out uh i would yeah. encourage you to do that but the short answer of this is is that um you know when when you read the word of god in general and we'll get to first john here in a minute but when you read the word of god in general as um, a book full of tests that God is testing you to see if you truly, uh, you know, have it, have what it takes to become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Uh, the Bible concludes you don't like, nope, you don't have what it takes. <laughs> You're not going to make it. Um, the law crushes us because the law is not relative, right? The law demands absolute perfection. And so uh, the gospel, the reason why it's so good news and the reason why Paul says, I'm going to die for the gospel and the gospel is the power of God because it's the good news that Christ did what we could not. And so that, that is so, it's so important that we get that straight. And if you think about even just where first John comes in the storyline, John, first John comes way, way down like way down the line, we've learned a lot about Jesus and about God and grace, mercy and kindness and the nature of humanity and how the gospel works. And so for John is um, John's dealing with some clarity issues and the church has had this infiltration of really bad doctrine and just it's just ripping the church apart, which 
to be frank, that's most New Testament epistles. Are, it's just full of bad doctrine. And so you got the Galatian heresy with, you know, Paul and Galatia, and then you got the first Corinthians who are dealing with bringing paganism into the church and idolatry. And it's just, you know, it's when people say, man, wouldn't it be great to live in the first century church? I'm like, no way. No, thank you. <laughs> well, wait, so it, whenever I've heard that before, I'm thinking, um, we got plenty of problems today. There's a whole, not a whole lot that's changed except no. time, just a, t- a period of time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we have better access to the Word of God today, so I think I'll stick with today. But um, with First John, there was a, a massive issue going on, and just to kind of summarize it, and make it simple, they were really denying and disagreeing with the nature of humanity and the nature of God, and um, basically that once one was saved that or or one could claim to be a christian and then really completely ignore the nature of god and who he was so um john is john is writing this letter and he has two groups of people in mind and and it's so important that we pay attention to the audience and how john is is addressing them right so the way i would describe it is that you have john who's writing to the people in the boat and they are floating safely, right? John says, I write these things that you may know and that know that you truly are. The, and right. we are the children of God, right? We we are. And so he's not questioning their salvation. He's writing to them and saying, you are safe and secure. Uh, Justin does this amazing job of reading through all the affirmative gospel passages that are in First John that are just glorious. Yes. And, hey, pause yeah. for one second there. Sure. I, so I was listening to that first episode and listeners, we will... We'll, uh, Put the links of those on this one you got to go listen to these two but i remember i was in my car uh a week or two ago and i was listening to it i was like oh this looks like an interesting episode i mean so i but i remember just being captivated by the mere reading of the scriptures that justin read mm-hmm. he wasn't saying anything he wasn't commenting on anything he was just reading them one after the other, unloading like a full clip, you know, <laughs> yeah, of, that's right. and I was just like, wow, it yeah. really blew me away. And it, all it was, was just the scripture being read. Yeah. So I, I didn't want to. No, that's fine. There, but no, it's great. Um, yeah. Justin did a fantastic job. And, and in that, what you have is this constant affirmation of the believer. So John's writing to a group of people who are beat up. They are dealing with really uh, angry and it's divisive. And they're kind of wondering, like, what is going on with these people? And they're attacking us and they're telling, you know, so so John's writing to these people. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm writing these things to you so that you may know that you are safe and secure. Now there's another group of people and these people, uh, they 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 have a problem and it's a massive problem because they are not agreeing with God about their sin. And they're not agreeing with God about the gospel. And so John writes some very important words that are not based upon Christians who are struggling with their sin. He's dealing with people who are not agreeing with God at all. And so he he writes some very stringent warnings against these people saying, listen, if you think that these sins that you have been saved from and that these sins that to which were caused Jesus to be nailed on the cross and you can just live in them and it's okay, that is that is not okay. And so James is saying or, or James is also dealing with something like this as well. But in 1 John he's saying 
you can't disagree with God on what God's law and God's standard is and then think that you can still claim to be a Christian. So uh, it's not a litmus. It's not John's not writing saying, here's how to test yourself. He's saying here, you guys are good. These guys are not. And don't let them. They they went out from us because they're not of us. They walked away from the faith is because they never actually had the faith in the first place because they were denying the very God that they were claiming to say that they served. And so it's important that when you read First John, I it breaks my heart. I just it really breaks my heart. And I I hope more pastors have the opportunity to you know don't just believe what I say, but go through and read First John. There are very stringent warning passages in there. But he's not writing to the weak Christian who's struggling in their faith. He's writing to the person who's boasting in their sin, saying, oh, what are you talking about? I can live however I want, and it doesn't matter. And John's like, no, you can't. What are you talking about? <laughs> and, and, and not only that, they were saying, I can do this, and it's not a sin. And first John says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. So I think it's important to understand the two audiences. He's trying to encourage those who are in the church. Don't listen to these people who are clearly in denial of the gospel and are not confessing their sin. They are not of the faith. And it, he is not calling into question the legitimacy of those who are struggling. He's saying, you're safe. Let's bolster you and make you stronger. I mean, this is even First John three, right, where he says, "What we are, we will. We are not. What we will be, we are not yet. But when he appears, we will be like him, as he is. Is and while we wait, we purify ourselves as he is pure. So he's encouraging those who are like, "Hey, listen, this is a struggle. Keep struggling. Keep looking to Christ. Keep purifying yourself. But these people over here, don't let them get you distracted. They're wrong. They they don't have it right." Yeah, and I, I think I, I know that Justin. Uh, I think on the most recent episode, it was I think part two, but just this great uh, bringing this one verse or two verses out. This two, uh, chapter two, nineteen to twenty. I love this that it. That's usually a verse that's given. I think you mentioned a second ago litmus test. Yeah. But hey, you better make sure you know. You better make sure you're in you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of a person. <laughs> it's like youth past youth camp kind of a thing, right? Yeah. And, uh, but it's actually an encouragement because That's those right. who would be reading this letter, knowing who they confess, the true son, the true Jesus, they would be encouraged by this because um, they would be reading this and thinking, well, this isn't me. So I, I know that, uh, John isn't writing this to me to, in order to, it's like a, I may not be articulating it well, but it's, it's used in an opposite manner than in the context it is here in the epistle. I think it's just an incredible insight It is um, that anyway, Jason, yeah, well, you got any follow up with that? Well, just this, let's wrap up the episode with this idea, John, then what are, what are some ways, how can a believer have assurance if, if first John is to be understood in the way that you're explaining, uh, which is helpful, then how can I go to the word or what can I look at my life or the motives of my heart or the intentions and know that I am a true believer? What do I look to? Yeah. Yeah. So apostle John in John 20, he says, I write these things that you might know that you might know that Jesus is the Messiah and in knowing have eternal life. Right. right. And, the greatest way to give us assurance, um, you know, 
uh, our confession, the 1689, says that good works uh, are a means, can be a means to bolster our affections and our assurance, right? Uh, but you have to ask yourself, how much good works do we need to perform in order to uh, bolster them? To bolster something, to boost it, right? You have to have the presence of it there first, right? If the, you can't you can't, if it's not there first, you can't bolster it. You know, it's like uh, I bought this game for my kids one time and I got home and they opened it up and they're like, Dad, this is the expansion pack. <laughs> I was like, whoops. whoops. Was so cheap. <laughs> I'm missing I the thought, game. I thought I was doing great here. <laughs> right. And so if you're looking for these expansion packs, you know, to add to it and you don't have the actual substance and it's mm. like, forget it. So the question then becomes, what's the absolute substance? And is the substance based upon our obedience? And the answer to that is no. The, the substance of it is Christ. The way I would describe it, going back to this boat, we are being carried by Christ right? He carries us along. There's, we're not doing anything to carry ourselves. He carries us along. And as we, as uh, I, I use this illustration a lot, but I'll use it now. It's like, if, if I'm in a plane and, and I'm not afraid to be on the plane and you're afraid to be on the plane and the entire plane ride, you're frantically wondering, like, are we going to make it there or not? And I'm over here asleep and we land and we get there safely. Uh, you and I had two different experiences, but, but how did we get there? had nothing to do with our faith, had everything to do with the plane, right? The plane is what got us there. Our ride in the plane is all dependent on whether we're going to trust the plane or not. And so my encouragement to you is if you're struggling with assurance, you need to ask yourself, what saves me? Is it my works that save me or mm. is it Christ that saves me? Well, then I need to hear more of Christ and I need to hear more of his word, right? I need to hear more of his truth. Yes. And then what's interesting is that Jesus says, well, when you're mine, I will cause you to walk in my ways. Now, we don't know. It varies from person to person. But as we start walking in the ways of Christ, we can go, wow, his word is true. Like I do have joy when I love people. And I do have joy when I'm kind, and I do have joy when I lay my life down for others. And that can encourage our assurance, knowing that, hey, I, as a follower of Christ, am now reflecting Christ, and that encourages me more. But it can't be the ground. It can't be why you're saved, because if you are, well, how many good works must you perform to create that level of stability? Mm. And like, you know, I, I use this as a really bad illustration the other day. I'm like, as long as I don't murder anybody, that's at least one fruit to let me know <laughs> I'm a Christian. Hey, that's <laughs> a start. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, right? It's like, well, how do you – so I, it's my joke now when people ask, well, how do you know you're a Christian? I was like, well, I haven't murdered anybody yet. So that's <laughs> that's at least one fruit. I haven't cheated on my wife yet. That's two. I think I'm, I think I'm doing well. No, why am I saved? Like, how do I know I'm a Christian? Because yeah. – because God keeps his promises. And he promised He promised me that if I trust him, he'll save me. And yeah. then from that place of rest, right? From that place of rest, we want that light that is now in us. We want it to go out to other people. And I, I am encouraged by the way in which I've seen the Holy Spirit work in my life. And I am encouraged when he convicts me of my sin. One of the greatest assurances of my life is that the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin. It's like, yes. yeah, you know what? That that I shouldn't have done that. That's wrong. And that reminds me to what? Believe the gospel. 
what does the gospel tell me? If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, right? But the ground, the reason, the substance, what saves me is always Jesus, right? So that's my encouragement to someone who's listening to this. Um, we probably get an email a day or a comment a day uh, to Theocast with people who really wrestle with whether they're saved or not. And they have been so programmed to look introspectively, right? This is subjective that yeah. I look to me. And my encouragement is when you get a good grasp objectively, look outside of yourself, when you finally have that, that firm grasp on Christ, then it's okay to start looking at your obedience because then you're going to be like, oh, wow, when I'm holding on to Christ, I actually start reflecting him. That's encouraging. But you take your eyes off of Christ and you start holding on to your obedience, you're going to find a whole lot of reasons why you should doubt your salvation. Right, Man, that's good. Well, um, I guess the last thing to say is if you haven't listened to the Theocast <laughs> podcast, go check them out. This is the tip of the iceberg, and it wasn't meant to be comprehensive today. John, thanks again for coming on. Yeah. I'll encourage folks continually to, to check you guys out. And we're so thankful that you took a little time of your day to, to join us and to uh, most of our folks will be listening, will be church members or somewhere real. Most folks will be in this area. Yeah. Uh, which is great, but it just, it's wonderful to talk with someone else who is not here locally um, just to, to kind of connect dots and things like that. You've been super helpful today. Uh, Jason, do you have any closing word before we we'll wrap things up? No, just again, thank you, John. We appreciate the ministry and the word and hmm. uh, that you've shared with us this afternoon on this episode. Thank you. Amen. Well, you can't tempt me with talking about Jesus, so I'm always going to give into that. That's right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's, he's pretty good. He's pretty great. <laughs> he is pretty great. I think I think we should proclaim him pretty often if you ask me. <laughs> Okay, well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you once again for taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast, and we hope it's been a blessing to you. But before you go, don't forget to like and share this, whether it's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, if you're listening or watching on YouTube. Just share this, get this out there. Um, we don't really care about making a name for ourselves. We want this good news to be Amen. spread. I know John would say the same thing, and that's why we want to share Amen. his podcast as well. Um, so share this, get this out there. And last thing, listener, uh, don't forget that if you ever have a question for us, you can go to our church website, bbcemory.org. Go to our media tab, scroll to the bottom of the page, and there's a box there that you can submit us a question to potentially look at for a future podcast episode. But as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.